I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. Well, it's football and other F-words. Zach is here. Michael is here. I'm Michael by me. Um, yeah, don't don't let people think Michael Herndon's here because he is not here. <laughs> he is not here. He he wants no part of this conversation, and I kind of don't blame him. Um, unless you're living under a rock, <laughs> you know exactly where this conversation is going. We've had a couple of days now to process the Titans just debacle of a divisional round. One of the most depressing Titans losses I have witnessed in 22 some odd years watching this team. Um, Zach, just what is the first thing you think about when remembering this damn game against the Bengals? Basically, I knew of a fan that was going to the game, and he is from, I believe, Virginia, and he's traveling in for the game. And he was there for the Baltimore playoff loss. He was there for the Christmas Eve Marcus Mariota 2016 <laughs> ruined career game. And he was there for another loss as well. So he was one in three out of four games coming into here. And, oh, he went to the Jets game in New York this season. So there's three terrible losses faced by the Tennessee Titans. And when he told the group chat that he was coming to the game, I said, please stay home. I will pay you $100 to stay home. And he refused to. And that is Tori Ortiz on Twitter, Notorious. And he has been banned from the group chat I am in. As long as I am in that group chat, he is not allowed in the group chat until at least September when football starts and next year. Because you all want to blame Tannehill. You all want to blame Todd Downey. You can blame Will Compton. But let me say, number one on your list should be at Notorious on Twitter. T And his name is Tiz. That should be the guy that you blame first. Did you want to throw that out there? Did you know or think this game was over the second Tannehill through his first interception? No, no. I was convinced the whole way through until that last interception that this team was going to win. Yes. And I am glad you bring that up because kind of my whole thing with what makes this such an infuriating fucking loss is that all the Titans had to do Look, I hate retrospect when trying to figure out what the score would be based on certain situations, but it literally looks like all the Titans had to do was figure out not how, how to not go three and out on one of the situations that went three and out, get an extra kick in, it, it, that's it. it. And they could have beaten what is arguably a, a very terrible offensive performance by the Bengals. I mean... Joe Burrow puts up 348 yards and they scored 19 points. Uh, it just not a good offensive game. All the Titans had to do was manage to secure one more offensive drive that turns into a field goal and, and then win this game. And Tannehill buried this team with three terrible interceptions. And I got to start there. What is your opinion of Ryan Tannehill today? Okay. Ryan Tannehill can win this team a Super Bowl. It's fully within his talent level. He's fully within the way that the team is constructed. He can win the team a Super Bowl. However, I do not believe that he will. And that is two distinct things because Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, winning they shouldn't have, right? Eli Manning should not be a multi-time Super Bowl champion. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfers won a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Um, I mean, just you can go on and on about quarterbacks that have no business really winning the Super Bowl. And really, Ryan Tannehill is probably better than all of them, except for maybe Eli Manning. And so can he? Sure. Everything has to go right around him, though. And that is the problem that I have, is that until I see it, I refuse to believe it. And my expectations will be set as such from here on in. My expectations, like I told everybody, 
It was the same expectations as the team. And that was this team in 2022 was built to go to the Super Bowl. And really, if you look across at the NFC, they're built to win the Super Bowl. If you look at the NFC, because the two people that have the two teams that have a chance to actually go to the Super Bowl are teams that they actually beat and beat pretty convincingly by the end of the game in San Francisco and Mets and, and the Rams. The, the problem with Tannehill is going to be getting out of the AFC. Can this team keep, compete with the Chiefs and the Bills? Sure, we've seen them do that. There's a little bit of a difference when you get into the playoffs about how some of these teams play and perform and all this stuff. Most teams will create new wrinkles on offense and try different things that you have not seen in the regular season. That's most teams. Tennessee, they're just going to do the same fucking thing they do every time and shove the same RPO down your throat that doesn't work, and they're continue to throw wide receiver uh, three screens to people that shouldn't be getting them. It's 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 a frustrating mess. All that to say that that loss yesterday is on Ryan Tannehill. You put any of the playoff quarterbacks, any of them, including Jimmy G. And I think they win that game yesterday. You know, earlier in the week, Lebowski, do you remember that little top five list and everybody being up in arms of why isn't Tannehill on the top oh, yeah. five list? Well, I guess you fucking saw why he's not on the top list. There was nothing wrong with that list. You're trying to tell me that Tannehill's better than any of those top five quarterbacks on that list? Fuck no, he's not. You would give your left nut to Trey Tannehill to have a Joe Burrow on your team. Because that that Joe Burrow really wasn't the issue yesterday. But if I would have told you that Aaron Rodgers, out of Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, and Jimmy Garoppolo, that Ryan Tannehill's the only one to throw a touchdown pass on Saturday, would you have fucking believed it? And they still lost with nine sacks? Like, you don't believe yeah. that. You can't. You just can't make up the shit that happened yesterday. And one of those things is that teams that have had nine sacks, okay? Teams that have gotten nine sacks, or that have, let's say this. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times. Teams that had their quarterback sacked nine times. Okay. You want to guess what the record was heading into that game? I can't imagine that that win column for someone that's been sacked nine times is any more than three. One win, 126 losses and two draws. We're num we've allowed the Bengals to be number two in that win column. That's how utterly improbable that loss was yesterday. Does should that maybe give you some hope that it was an utterly improbable loss? Like the the math does not make sense that this should have ever happened. Maybe. But until I see it from Ryan Tannehill, I don't care that the team's expectations are Super Bowl next year if they run it back with the, pretty much everybody and a few new additions. If they're that's their expectation, that's fine. That's what you want your team to have, right? You want them to have Super Bowl yeah. expectations. This guy is not buying in, and he's not buying in on any win streak in the regular season. If this team goes twelve and uh, five, or thirteen and four, or whatever, I'm not buying in and saying that this team can win a Super Bowl until I see Ryan Tannehill win a playoff game on his arm and on his his laurels. That's I what I think everybody should be at. And if you're if you're a new listener. And you're, you're wanting to jump up and down and yell recency bias that we're just picking the last product that we watched and saying, oh, how convenient that you're out on Tannehill now. This podcast just a few episodes ago was sitting here convincing you that Ryan Tannehill is a top 10 quarterback, and I am just as guilty of that. And at the time, we were dead on. But he's a top 10 regular season quarterback. Right. And he's a, he's a bottom shit pile of a quarterback in the playoffs. I, this is what I told. So I said this the other night in chat. I was telling my brother this, that Ryan Tannehill is a Ferrari with a gas leak. Phenomenal drive, fantastic performance, but about every 19 to 20 weeks, it will explode and kill your entire family. So like, it's, <laughs> it's so infuriating for me to have to sit here and, and say and kind of admit exactly what you're saying, that my expectations for Brian Tannehill are basically that show me what you can do in the playoffs and I'm, I'm, I'm back on your team because 
I, I cannot fathom what this team just wasted, what this offense just wasted. That defense put on a performance that you, you might see once in a lifetime of a, of a fandom of a team. This is a Super Bowl caliber defense that could have taken even the most middling of offenses to a ring. All they have to do is not throw a couple of fucking turnovers. They can beat this Bengals team. That is a defense that can go toe-to-toe with any of the rest of this shit that is left in the playoffs in the NFC and AFC, save the Bills and Chiefs. The Bills and Chiefs was the best playoff game we have seen so far through the wild card, through the divisional round. And I fully expect, I'm probably going to be wrong, I think the Chiefs are going to tear this Bengals team apart. And I may be wrong, but, but let me get back to my original point. This Titans defense with even a mediocre offense could have won the Super Bowl this year. And I, I will stand by that. And Ryan Tannehill pretty much single-handedly undid that. And, and I just don't know where to go with that. I'm so fucking furious about how that went down. And you could see it written all over the players' faces when they had to get press conferences, especially the defense. I, I have never felt more sorry for a group of guys then them realizing that they were just going to have to come back in on Monday and clean their lockers out and not prepare for a home AFC championship game. Well, and listen, the only players that talked to the media today while they were cleaning off their uh, lockers were all defenders and AJ Brown. That tells me a little bit about the offensive leadership. And listen, I like Ryan Tannehill and I think he's a great leader, but I'll, I'll, I like to be a straight shooter and you know, I told everybody when I was out on Marcus and that Marcus couldn't take us there. And sure enough, here comes Ryan Tannehill, and he took us a lot further than anybody else has in a long, long time. And I'm telling you right now, until you see it, you shouldn't believe in Ryan Tannehill. And it's not to say that he can't turn things around, and I am rooting. I am rooting for Ryan Tannehill to turn things around. I'm not rooting for his failure. I've never rooted for Marcus's failure. I wanted him to turn things around, but I knew in my heart of hearts that he couldn't do it. And I'd have to see it, and he had to be consistent and for me to believe it. And that's where I'm at on Ryan Tannehill in the postseason. I know Ryan Tannehill can get it done in the regular season. That's great. Hang your little regular season championship banners up just like the Colts do and just be fine with it. Look, I'd much rather be in the situation that the Titans are in right now where they're an 11-12 win team who can decisively win their shitty division. And they'll probably be in contention for the number one seed every year under Tannehill. But I don't know if that's going to equate to postseason success. You can't just sit here and be okay with that year after year. And eventually that's when people start losing their jobs and getting fired. And you're, you're stuck with Tannehill for one more year. What you do with that, is what it is, whether you agree with it or not. Whether you agree with it or not, it, you, you're stuck with it. And we're going to get to that later. Zach and I certainly have thoughts on that because I, we know the fan base. I've been reading Twitter since the moment that game ended up until right before we started recording. We know this fan base wants everything in the world to happen and all the quarterbacks you want to go get. We're, we're going to discuss that. But I'm, I'm right there with you on Tannehill of where – I believe he can win a Super Bowl. I do. He has the talent to do it. But I am no longer going to hype myself up on a regular season performance of that's about to carry over into the playoffs. That's exactly where I was at two weeks ago is that yeah. I, I, tweet, I re retweeted Jonathan Boren, uh, you know, here with us at Broadway right before the game where he had put out a nice tweet about, look, the Titans are completely healthy. They added, they're starting the game with their entire offensive and defensive components that they wanted to start with. Plus, they've added Zach Cunningham. They've had two buys, or they've had the bye week. They've had, they had two buys in the last six weeks. Uh, you're coming into the game with the perfect setup. And that's why I retweeted and said, this is why I'm not nervous. Because you've got the correct coach with the correct team at the correct time with the best stars-aligned type setup that you're going to get in the NFL. And they absolutely fucking squandered it. And so I, that's what makes me so mad. That's why I'm so disappointed and why you, I think this is. You should be mad. And let me say something. I, I think there's a few of the fans that are dedicated listeners of our show who are probably a little sick and tired of everybody being mad or being sad off this game. And they're tired of hearing the doom and gloom on the thing. Look, 
it's not doom and gloom. It's just your realistic expectations. We're living in a reality. It's not sunshines and puppies flying out our assholes over here. And it's not really just dropping turds and charcoal bombs, you know, for everybody to have to sniff and say that this team sucks. This team doesn't suck. Ryan Tannehill technically doesn't suck. If he can get you in the playoffs, that's a pretty damn good quarterback, and he's done it you know, now three years in a row. But if you are not mad that this team squandered the, like Lebowski said, if you're not mad that this team squandered their chances and you're just a, a okay, you're just going to chalk it up as another loss and say there's always ne- next year, then there's something within you that you need to reflect on because really everybody should be very pissed and or sad. You know, I'll accept sad, but nobody should be optimistic that this team can make a, an extended playoff run to a Super Bowl until you literally see it. At this point, <laughs> yeah. at this point, you're just believing in something that has, that has not proven that cannot happen with Ryan Tannehill. It's been proven. You, you can make an argument that the Kansas City game's not on him, that the play caller, Art Smith, changed up and got away from what was working, and then the defense just completely shit the bed against Kansas City. But you can't say that about the defense last year in Baltimore. They held the Ravens and did their job. Tannehill couldn't score. And then you look at it this year, and it's the same thing. They more than did their job. They utterly put on a historic performance, and Tannehill couldn't get the job done. And it is Tannehill. I understand, and I'm. we'll get into it if, if you're ready to get into it, but I understand yeah. that Todd Downing called the plays. But there are a lot of stuff that that Ryan Tannehill is at is at fault for with his decision makings within those plays. There is something putrid, festering in the relationship between Todd Downing and Ryan Tannehill. Now, I'm not saying that they're mad at each other or they're getting into fist fights or you know trying to stab each other. They don't work. They are oil and water. They do not work together. So. Let's talk about that piece because outside of Ryan Tannehill, the largest clamoring you hear load, load him onto a load Todd Downing onto a rocket, fire him into the sun. How much of this is on the OC? How much of this, how right are the fans to be pissed and want him out? How much of that is an overreaction? It, it is. Where does this lay on him? I think it does lay on him some. And I think if you're looking for a solution, the easiest solution to for change, if you're looking for a spark or if you're if you're John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and you're looking for something to give the fan base to cling on to, I think you got to fire Todd down because you can't you can't you're like I said, you're stuck with Ryan Tano. The contract you can't get out of. You got dead cap space out your ass. If you trade for, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, then you have to take their cap hit and add it onto the dead cap. And then you have to send draft capital. The Titans need the draft picks this year to fill some other holes on this offense and and stuff like that. It's just not realistic that Ryan Tannehill's going anywhere. So the next thing is you have to look at the offensive coordinator. And I, I, I think the first thing that you need to look at with this team is... With Todd Downing, why is he doing the same thing week after week? He's showing the same looks, the same personnel, the same plays. He's targeting the players and keeping players off. I think it's an utter disgrace. And I also think that Mike Vrabel should have been in someone's headset to not have Julio Jones in on some of these plays. Yeah. That is a disgrace. And that is leaving your quarterback to, to dr- out to drive. That is ridiculous. I think it's also ridiculous that there was only uh, all the routes on that third down on Tannehill's last interception were 15 yards down the field when you didn't need to be 15 yards down the field. You just needed to get the first down or, you know, whatever. I think that's ridiculous. And the fact that it's NWI is the hot route. I don't know what it is about Art Smith and now Todd Downey. But on the last play of each of these playoff games in crucial moments, they have made the wide receiver three or the wide receiver four the the first read in the hot route. Now, let me say something about that. Shame on Tannehill for only doing the hot routes and staring (laughs) down receivers. 
give me a fucking break, Ryan Tannehill, that you couldn't see anybody else open, that you're so mentally handcuffed by Todd Downing's play call that you can only do the hot route in the first read. I'm out. I'm out on that kind of thing. Is this? I get that Downing called those plays and designed those routes, and they're horrible designs. But there were other places for Tannehill to go with the ball that he just chose not to do. Is this what, and if you don't know what I'm referencing, you know, don't, we don't have to get hung up on it, but James with no flag films earlier was telling us that the first, the very first interception that, that Tannehill threw, the very first damn play of the game was what he called an interception on film that the defender knew it, jumped a curl route and grabbed the ball. And it was a lot because Tannehill was just staring down the receiver. I mean, is this an example of that? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that first play, first off, a horribly designed play action play, by the way. And I was all for play action play. I, I said it on the Titans 10 on Friday. I said, I know everybody wants to see the first ball, the, the first play, first thing run for Derrick Henry. Yeah. But I really think they should do a play action and take a deep shot down the field. Well, I didn't mean let's take a deep shot with all the receivers, you know, kind of bunched <laughs> up to fucking together. Look, I would definitely agree. Tannehill stared down on that interception and got the ball late. Even if he was staring Julio Jones down the whole time, if he would have got the ball out early, it would have got to him. That allowed Bates to get eyes to the front side, and this is what Matt Bowen says, and Matt Bowen is an NFL analyst, uh, film analyst for ESPN, and he goes, that allowed Bates to get the eyes to the front side. That's, That's fine. You know, Tannehill's throw was late. But that brings us to another discussion on the Titans pass game structure, which can be viewed as limited by play design. And this is a limited. So vanilla is how Harry Douglas described it today on Buck Rising show on Monday on Buck Rising show. Vanilla, rudimentary, elementary, play design. And it's ridiculous that the step back Todd Downing and Ryan Tannehill just won't work. Whether you agree that Todd Downing should be given another chance because, you know, there were injuries and there were this and the offensive line and this and that, or whether you believe that Ryan Tannehill is at fault and he should be gone, these guys cannot stay together and provide hope for this Tennessee fan base. And I think that with Tim Kelly being free and Tim Kelly out there, who is someone that they wanted to interview before they hired Todd Downing and were blocked, I think it would make a ton of sense to go ahead and cut your losses with Todd Downing and bring in Tim Kelly. Or at the very least, bring in Tim Kelly as a passing game coordinator slash assistant head coach and allow him to help design these pass plays because this passing offense is just boring. You know, and let me say something, the pass catchers on the first interception, Julio Jones, and the pass catcher on the last one, Nick Westbrook-Akine, they didn't do Tannehill any favors. They didn't fight for any of, their, of those balls. And they could at least, you know, help to break them up and not let them be interceptions. And they didn't either of that. And that was a lot like the Des Fitzpatrick interception where he did no favors in Houston. You could try to fight the defensive back and break up. I know that's you beat turn into a defender, but they could have done that too. The NWI one was so infuriating to me. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I felt like he did not give a, more of enough effort to a catch it and, or B get it out of that, that moment there, particularly you can't lose that ball. I, I think you got to do everything. Thrown. Don't get us wrong. And I think we right, 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 it should have right. never been thrown, but at that point it's thrown. Yeah. You know, like help us defuse the bomb. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's the same thing. You know, he should never thrown that wide receiver three screen, just throw it away or throw it at someone's feet or do something, you know, where they sniffed you out. And then there's the third down, fourth down play calling that everybody wants to talk about. You know, they say, well, you shouldn't have been a, a sh- out of shotgun or whatever. The play call was fine. The problem was is that Ryan Tannehill decided to keep the ball instead of giving it to Henry because he didn't recognize that the safety was in the right spot and the defensive end stayed home and chose to just keep it and try to run it. But if he would have given it to Henry, Henry would have had it. And then, of yeah. course, on the fourth down play call, you become predictable. The offensive line just shit the bed, got no push for Derrick Henry. And then ever because everybody knows Derrick Henry's getting the ball in fourth and one at that point. Like, you just 
Tannehill's to blame, Todd Downing's to blame, and it just makes me so mad. And I just do not think that when you look at Todd Downing's body of work, slow starts, he's only got seven points, I think, on the opening drives or something crazy like that. His RPOs are the same RPOs 86% of the time, and that's, that's exactly what James over at No Flag Films said. Wide receiver bubble screens to to not A.J. Brown or Julio, to people like Racy McMath and Chester Rogers, not putting Julio Jones in and keeping him in and keeping his snap count up and, and then also taking both him and A.J. Brown out at the same time to let everybody know that, hey, you're probably running the ball. Like, there are so many issues with Todd Downing from top to bottom. Yeah, you know, he's probably number two on the blame game for yesterday's game. But there's a lot that that he's done for the whole season that cannot be ignored. And I think that if you're looking to get a spark, you you have to get rid of Todd Downing or bring in someone that can help Todd Downing. Maybe, you know, I've seen some people say, well, Sean Payton's thinking about quitting. Maybe. Hey, listen, crazier things have happened. Jim Schwartz retired, and then he came back as a defensive analyst. Maybe Sean Payton does it, and he comes back as an offensive analyst or whatever for the Tennessee Times. Maybe. But if you want realistic, it's Tim Kelly for me. Well, and I'm I'm glad that's the route you went because I think what people listening need to understand is that the QBPs, which again we'll get into in just a second, that's not changing. Not in 2022, it's not changing. And if you're going to give a spark to this offense, it's got to be at the coordinator position. And I think we've seen enough of Downing's body of work to say it's time. You know, it's time to go because something has to change. We we know that he's not going to change his style or has given us no indication he's going to change his style. I mean, if you're not going to change your style from the regular season into the playoffs, into arguably the biggest playoff appearance that this team has had in 18 years, then what, I'm sorry, maybe 14 years, well, what, what are you going to do different, you know, next year? I just don't see it changing. Do you believe that Vrabel will change. You know, if I base it on, if I took what he said at the press conference at face value, right. I would say that there's not going to be any changes. Now, you know, we called the Shane Bowen thing. We knew that, you know, last year was like, Oh, it's probably just going to end up being Shane Bowen. I still think there's a good chance that there's that when they're interviewing and going through their extra interviews with these coaches and, and John Robinson, and Amy Adams drunk, you know, they, they know what everybody's saying, right? I mean, like, I don't know if Vrabel technically does, but I'm sure he does. But they know what everybody's saying on the radio. They know what fans are saying. You know, if I'm Amy Adam Strunk, I'm thinking, man, this seems like such an easy thing to fix, right? To maybe salvage some of this goodwill we have with fans and just get rid of Todd Downing. Like, who is Todd Downing to us? You know, like that's yeah. how I would be viewing it. Like, who is, yeah. who is Todd Downing to us? In the big scheme of things, why do we need to be loyal to Todd Downing? You're talking about someone, John Robinson, Amy Adam Strunk, who have did force Mike Malarkey's hand when they wouldn't get rid of someone. Now, obviously, I don't think Vrabel would be in that situation. I'm, I feel like Vrabel would be like, okay, yeah, I'll fucking get rid of Todd Downing if it means I'm keeping my job, you know? Like, yeah, I'm keeping Todd Downing. I, 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 I think... If you look at it from the perspective of what the team is, to, I think Vrabel is being loyal and he's not going to air dirty laundry out in front of everybody, right? I agree. I agree. But you do have to understand that he is a loyal person. I mean, and loyalty was paid off through Shane Bowen. It's just, you know, we've seen Todd Downey in Oakland. We've seen Todd Downey now in Tennessee. And we have seen this team and Ryan Tannehill not get it done. And if you are going to be stuck with Ryan Tannehill, and let me say something. The way that he talked about Ryan Tannehill is way better than what he talked about Todd Downey. Now they both got positive stuff, but the level of positivity for Ryan Tannehill is a lot more on Vrabel in this plate in this staff side. In my mind, I think Ryan Tannehill is still going to be the guy, obviously. That being said, if you're going to run these two back, you're going to have a real issue with fans wanting to renew their play, their tickets. My dad today goes, I am so glad that we didn't, that, that he did not renew the sweet tickets. And 
you know, COVID and stuff happened, you know, they, he just wouldn't be able to use them anyway, but he goes, man, I could not, I'd be, uh, he goes, I'd be a hundred times pissed if I was funneling money year in and year out to the Tennessee Titans and, and spending that kind of money to see that product on the field. And I agree. And I, and I wouldn't blame other fans. You know, a lot of fans just posted that they, Oh, this is my first time getting PSLs and, they were so excited heading into the week. I saw many posts from fans on Twitter, so proud of getting those PSLs yep. you know, this year for next year and being one of these people. And, I, and I'm I, great for them, and I'm happy. And I really do hope this doesn't affect attendance. But man, they were really rewarded for spending their hard-earned money with a shit show on the field. I mean, it just makes me mad. It makes me sad for those fans. I only like the reason why I'm sitting here chuckling is because. My first thought is the people that have to walk in with the sales division for the Titans is that I, if I'm working for sales for the Titans, I'm watching the end of that game thinking, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is the, this is what I've got to work under. This is the parameters that my job have just been presented through the spring. I, I don't see, how do you spin it? Like yeah, there's no you, spin. The only spin. And I, I put this out on Twitter this morning. I said, you know, you got two things you can cling hope to hope. You know, if you, you cling to these, if you want, chalk it up to injuries and lack of chemistry and hope that everything gets fixed in the offseason. John Robinson pulls what he did and for the defense this last offseason, for this offseason, for the offense. And that basically a whole offseason in the same system with the same core group of guys, Julio Jones and Tannehill can get on the same page. The offensive line can start off on the same page in the same system. Henry's back fully healthy. You know, A.J. Brown's back fully healthy. And they're all in the same system, all the same offense. Maybe that will change it. Or they fire Todd Downey. They get a wide receiver three and a tight end one. No matter how they got to do it, they do it. They And they bring in a new offensive system that actually works for Ryan Tannehill and puts Ryan Tannehill in a, a position to succeed and make easier decisions on the field, even though we all view these decisions he's making in three seconds as easy decisions. They're probably not as easy as what we make them out to be. And you hope that someone puts in a passing offense that can do something for the Tennessee Titans to bring them in and bring the offense into the 21st century. Those are your two things. So if Todd Downing doesn't get fired, you're basically hoping for number one. And number one is, is something that doesn't shouldn't provide a lot of people with hope. You're going to get 12 wins. Great for the Tennessee Titans in the regular season. And you're until you really see something change, you're probably getting a first-round exit or first maybe divisional round exit. So let's let's move to the irrational part of the conversation that we've been having because I feel like what we're talking about the OC stuff is actually pretty rational and, and and something that I think is more of a coin toss of whether or not Downing is going to get be, be back and you go after. I actually could yeah, see I that. I definitely happening. think it's more after giving the more I think about it, the more yeah. I feel like it is a better chance of happening that Todd Downing's out than not. Well, let me like let 60, me put it 40. Let me put it as basic as an exit interview, which is something I just did for a job here a few days ago, so it's fresh on my brain. But what question is easier to answer in an exit interview? Amy Adam, Amy Adam Strunk and Robinson looking at Vrabel and saying, tell me why we keep downing, or them looking at him and saying, tell me why we keep Tannehill. I mean, which one of those questions is easier to answer? The Tannehill one's simple, which is what we're going to get into now. There's not a financial standpoint which you can get rid of this man to where it makes sense for the team. So it doesn't make sense for the other team getting Ryan Tannehill too, right? I mean, like it takes two to tango. (laughs) You would have to find a team that is desperate enough for the quarterback position that's willing willing to eat some of his dead cap as well as his guaranteed money, or maybe a three do the rare three way trade in the NFL. Okay, so let's let's start there. Um, Why can't the Titans just go after Russell Wilson? Huh? I mean, Seattle will take Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, they would be paying more for Ryan Tannehill than they would be paying for Russell Wilson. You think they're really going to go for that? That they see yeah, something mean, in Ryan Tannehill after these play? It's like the NFL. Let me tell you <laughs> something. Coaches, they watch the fucking playoff games. So they yes. know that Ryan Tannehill cannot win a playoff game. So why would that's, they trade for him? That's what's so mind-blowing to me for fans is why can't they just go get Russell Wilson? 
So, okay, your argument is that Ryan Tannehill is worse than Russell Wilson. So the Seattle Seahawks are going to look at you and say, give us a worse quarterback. How does that work out better for them? For For more more money. money. For more money. I really like that Ferrari that keeps blowing up. Let me take it. Like, it's it's utterly ridiculous. Zach, the Titans are just scared to go get Aaron Rodgers. Well, look. I, I kind of would be too because he may just he's only on a one he's only on a one year contract like that's yeah. the other thing that you got to remember is that okay you're gonna have you go get Aaron Rodgers first off you got to trade for him unless the Packers cut him but the Packers probably won't cut him so that you got to trade for him so now you have forty eight point nine million dollars wrapped up in Aaron Rodgers for one year of service because he's only under contract years for old, one year. by the way yeah only and listen. Aaron Rodgers is an infinitely better quarterback than Ryan yes. Daniel, who also hasn't won a playoff game in a while. Like, give me a break. I mean, yeah, he won a Super Bowl, but that was a long wanna, time ago. You want to talk about a quarterback that has a bigger, I can't get into the uh, Super Bowl sign around his neck. I know he's won a Super Bowl, but his whole thing, Green Bay fans are so fed up with the fact that Green Bay cannot get back to the Super Bowl and they are willingly hanging on Aaron Rodgers. And there's a lot of truth to that argument. Aaron Rodgers has been in the league and played games. He's been playing games for, for Green Bay since 2005. Now, he wasn't full-time until 2008. He has one Super Bowl. One Super Bowl. One Super Bowl and one Super Bowl appearance. So I don't know if Aaron Rodgers really gets you. I mean, I'm sure he does. Well, let's be honest here. I'm not going to be too facetious on on anything. If Aaron Rodgers played that game yesterday, he would have won. If Aaron Rodgers had this defense, which he has had and squandered top 10 defenses for a lot of, for most of his latter end of his career now. But if he would have had this defense, he probably would have won. I don't know what the bugaboo is or anything like that, but it's Aaron Rodgers. But it's Aaron Rodgers on a one-year contract for $48.9 million. What are you doing after that? Because if you draft a quarterback, he's just going to get pissed. I mean, let's let's be honest here. That's, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a loose cannon. Look, I know that his girlfriend, whose name escapes me, she's big friends with Reese Witherspoon. You know who's a Titans fan? Reese Witherspoon. So there is a connection. Like, wouldn't you rather play in Nashville than Wisconsin and all this stuff? But are you really going to work out a reliable deal that makes you feel comfortable, you know, for the future to carry Aaron Rodgers? Will he even agree to a three-year deal? Because there's even talks that he's retiring this year. But $48.9 million for a one-year rental, I'm kind of out on it. I mean, I'm sure that, and, and why would the Packers take Ryan Tannehill back? They have Jordan Love. They're already preparing for a future without Aaron Rodgers. They don't need Ryan Daniels' contract. Not to mention Aaron Rodgers, of all people, okay, knows football. Hey, Put listen, your feelings and about Travis him aside. and Joe Rogan will probably start a podcast if they're all in Nashville. <laughs> Throw Rogan. Um, so if you <laughs> let take out all the stuff you know about Aaron Rodgers, especially this year from the media, from all that shit that's come out about him, right? He reportedly has photographic memory. The man knows the playbook like anybody else. Is he going to come play for Todd Downing? Is he going to watch this offense that just sputtered like shit and want to come play for that? I just, I'm what the point I'm trying to make here is that for those that want this quick solution, this quick resolution to just get Ryan Tannehill out the door, there's no backup plan for just getting rid of him, hoping he retires. Okay, well, then what? You got Logan Woodside. And guess what? You still have to pay him, idiots. Yeah, yeah, you still have to pay him. Just just cut him. Just cut him. I mean, if you cut him, what does it cost? It's like 28 million something fucking dollars. Well, you break even if you cut him after June 1st. But what's breaking even? Like, you don't get any cap savings, and you still basically, you don't have a quarterback. Like, what is your solution for quarterback if you cut him? It's so... It's that just, they're stuck, and, and it sucks. I get it. It sucks. Yeah. You're looking for a way out. You you are you are trapped in a pan, someone else's panic room because you accidentally pressed a combination wrong, and there's bondage <laughs> shit in this panic room, and you just want you got to get the fuck out of this room. Things are freaking flapping. you out. Yeah, things are just everywhere that you Vibrate. do not want to be around, and you got to get out. But guess what? 
You fucking can't. You are stuck in that sexual chamber of horrors of that panic room. And guess what? It sucks. And I agree. There's there they have to build. They have to build the team this off this off season on this offense to such a degree that it's almost impossible for Ryan Tannehill to make shitty mistakes. That's essentially what they have to do. Let's talk. We've talked realistically what an OC change may look like. I hope we've helped you understand that the Tannehill situation, regardless of how bad you want this man out, is not going to happen like that in 2022. Let's talk about what the 2022 team actually could look like. Do you expect changes that say like offensive line? Yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised. And it's not to say that I wouldn't welcome the entire offensive line back. Cause let me say this. I would gladly welcome all of them except for, you know, David Questenberry can be a backup and maybe Dylan Radens can take over obviously, but I would welcome the majority from Nate Davis all the way to Taylor one back. Now, obviously Taylor one, Roger Saffold have some contracts hanging out there and some stuff that's got to get worked up because you, it's just physically, it's fiscally responsible to get those contracts reworked that are better representative of what they do on the field and what they do for this team. Ben Jones obviously would need a new contract. Nate Davis, I think, is, is fine. So, but that's a really hard thing to just say, oh, yeah, well, I expect them all back. I, I expect some changes. I don't know what those changes are necessarily. I'm not really ready to take something to the bank and say, well, this is exactly what's going to happen. I would expect Ben Jones back. I would expect Lawan back on a rework deal, maybe Saffold back on a rework deal. But I also expect them to maybe draft some people and get some people in that are can compete for those spots. As long as, you know, they're not, you know, taking a guard and turning them into a tight end or whatever the fuck crazy shit they decide <laughs> to do after they draft these guys. So I don't know. But I know that Dylan Raidens probably has a spot on this team on the starting offensive line. I would assume that's right tackle. And if Ben Jones is gone, I would expect Aaron Brewer to step in at the center, whether that that's going to be a huge drop off for sure. And you bring up tight end, which is kind of the next part I'm going to go. This Titans tight end room does not look the same next year. I would assume, I would assume you're probably not going to see any of them back. Right. If, if it, if it looks the same, I would <laughs> easily tell you if it looks the same start in the beginning of the year, I would easily tell you this team's not winning a Super Bowl. They, they'd be lucky to make it in the fucking playoffs. Because I'm right with you. I'll because, be fucking furious. Yeah. I I may we may have to take off a year from the podcast because <laughs> I am not covering this team with this fucking shit ass tight end room. I'm just I refuse to do it. I'm not gonna do it. And it is re, it would be utterly irresponsible of John Robinson. It'd be the worst decision. And I'm saying the worst decision while he has drafted Isaiah Wilson, while he's drafted Kevin Dodd, this would be the worst decision that he has made to go with the tight ends that you will solve this year. And here are some options. My first get, my first choice, Trey McBride. And don't be confused for the Titans wide receiver that was on the practice squad that you guys all jerked off to. This is a tight end that is basically, in my mind, looks a lot like George Kittle. He's built like George Kittle. Yeah. He's the blocker. He finishes blocks. He's athletic. It's the guy that you want. I like Jalen Windemeyer if you just want a um, pass catcher. And, and he's an explosive, explosive guy. And then, um, crap, what is the... Um, tight end i was making fun of um making fun of graver because his name isaiah likely from coastal california uh he i know his name's isaiah but i like i like isaiah likely as well he's a fast tight end he also is complete as a blocker he does tend to have a small catch radius but there's also excuse me there's also some tight ends that are coming on free agency and i see and listen, they're all not going to hit, okay? They're all not going to be available because, you know, some people are going to sign them. And I, and I think one of the guys that's not going to be available is going to be Mike Gusecki. Now, if Mike Gusecki is available and 
he who plays for the Miami Dolphins, just in case you live on under, under a rock. If he's available, the Titans need to go all in and try to get him. And I'm not saying they have to go like Johnny Smith, $55 million and overpay him or anything, but they should be going for him. Another guy that I kind of like, but I don't know if you're just getting a better version of Jeff Swain. And that would be um, Dalton Schultz. I like Dalton Schultz. And I think that he's definitely upgrade over the trash heap that they have. Um, CJ Uzoma, who we just saw it, the is going to be available. Gerald Everett is going to be available. Um, Robert Tanyan Jr. is going to be available. OJ Howard, who I'm not convinced that he's that great. He's still better than everybody else. He'll be available. David Njoku, Evan Ingram. Uh, I've already said Mike Giusecki. Uh, I believe that's all the big ones that are coming through. I'm looking at the list. Dalton Schultz, like I said. Tyler Conklin is, is, is all right. A bunch of tight ends are going to be available. Get one of these b- better tight ends. That's I plead. I don't care what else you do, Tennessee. I don't care if you bring back Todd Downing. I don't care if you bring back Ryan Tannehill. Bring me a fucking good tight end to this team. Do you expect the Titans to try to shore up, look at wide receivers uh, in the draft? They should. Wide receiver three is something that they got to upgrade. Um, I don't know what happened with Mike Vrabel and this coaching staff and Josh Reynolds. I'm not putting any faith in Des Fitzpatrick. I'm not putting any faith in Racy McMath. Chester Rogers is giving everybody heart attacks every time he goes back for a punt. And Marcus Johnson can't stay healthy to save his life. He's just a training camp, training camp wonderkin that is just going to amaze you all, all season until he ends up on IR. You have to upgrade wide receiver three. Whether that's John Mechie, and I know everybody makes jokes that, oh, it's, you know, he's going to, he's the guy that uh, he's injury. So, of course, he's going to go in the first round to John Robinson because John Robinson likes to take injury, injured players. But he's going to be awesome. Like, that's, you need a burner. You need someone that can take off the top of the defense and maybe be even physical. I like George Pickens from Georgia. Um, if you want to wait for, if you're going to be crazy Tennessee and you want to wait till like the third or fourth round to grab a wide receiver, cause you hate your fan base, then, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the wide receiver from Memphis, uh, Calvin Austin, um, God is Calvin. I don't know why I didn't bring up my notes, but, um, yeah, Calvin Austin, the third, he's going to be a, a good guy to have. Um, and he's, a, he's a, at, over at Memphis. I mean, you have to upgrade. I don't know if upgrading in free agencies and you and the draft is the way to go. Get a wide receiver three and wide receiver four. I like Nick Westbrook-Akine's chances to stay with this team. He's an um, exclusive rights free agent, I believe. I think he should stay with the team. I would. All, I think that if you had him, Julio, A.J. Brown, a pass-catching tight end that's an actual pass-catching tight end and not these dick-fingered fucks, that Tennessee Titans have employed and you have um, a wide receiver three in the draft as well, then your, your team suddenly looks a whole lot better. This team needs to be building around AJ Brown. And that's my hot take from this segment. Forget building around Derrick Henry. This team needs to build around AJ Brown. And I think one of the things you do is get another young wide receiver to pair with AJ Brown for when his second contract comes up and they should have done that last year and grabbed Elijah Moore but they didn't, but they need to grab a wide receiver to pair with A.J. Brown because Julio is going to be out the door soon, and you're going to have to have a wide receiver because if your plan is to eventually, the wide receiver helps so much. The extra wide receiver and the pass-catching tight end and A.J. Brown not only helps Ryan Tannehill have more reliable, better upgraded options, it also allows the quarterback of the future (laughs) that is eventually going to have to get drafted to come in and have ready-to-go NFL-level weapons at his disposal. Derrick Henry, that also helps Derrick Henry and extends his shelf life because you won't be have to give Derrick Henry 400 carries a season because if you do, you're, you're ruining him. You can't build around Derrick Henry. No. It's a mistake. I love Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is right now still, for my money, the best running back in the league. 
But in today's NFL, building around a running back is going to cost you sooner rather than later because what are you going to do if you draft a quarterback this year or draft a quarterback next year and he sits a year, you're now looking at either two years or three years later is going to be Derrick Henry and this quarterback. What good is that? It's not good for anybody because it's two or three year older running back with more tread on the tires. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go crazy like 3HL did on Monday and say, and start entertaining the idea that Derrick Henry should be traded off this team. Because if you trade Derrick Henry off this team this offseason, you might as well just go and light the stadium on fire, Tennessee, because nobody's going to come watch it. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm but sorry. But you cannot but... build around Derrick Henry. You have to build around A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown, the second <laughs> wide receiver, this hopefully younger tight end, and your quarterback of the future is what's going to carry you and keep you competitive the rest of the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just got this middle image of somebody in the sales department. They're finally going to start to get the shit together. There's a few sales rolling in. Todd Downing's been fired. They're bringing in a new OC. And then you trade Derrick Henry. I'd quit my fucking job. <laughs> Hey, I would quit right We there. know we traded Derrick Henry, but can we interest you in renewing your season tickets or buying tickets for The Undertaker's younger brother? Dennis Kelly's younger brother. He's offensive coordinator. Huh? Huh? I mean, huh? Oh, my God. Look, I, I, I wanted to have that talk because I kind of needed it to. I was so just beyond pissed after that loss because – you feel like one of those situations, and it is true, one of these situations the Titans found themselves into at the end of the year coming into the playoffs is that's a best-case scenario. You can't script that out better with the rest, the injury health, and all that. But I also don't want to give the impression that you are watching a bad team. This is not a bad team. This is not a team that got into the playoffs that shouldn't have been there. It's actually the opposite. It's a damn good team that found themselves a way to lose out. And it's, you know, unfortunately there are a couple of fan bases that had to watch their team. that shouldn't have been there. I mean, the Eagles is one of them that expanding the playoffs and putting them in, you know, you, you can argue about it if we expanding the playoffs was right, but that's a team that, that was in the playoffs by default because of the way the seating laid out, we're just as pissed off as you are. We're upset. We're well, pissed. They probably couldn't tell how pissed off I am. I've been very calm and have not raised my voice. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday and he's probably, it's his, he turned four years old today. He's probably like hiding in a corner, scared to shit. That I'm going to come in there and beat him or something. <laughs> just furious. Just going to whip his little ass. No, I, uh, I want to give this fan base hope that there, there are changes that can be made. Look, the Tannehill piece is not going to go away. The best you can hope for is that if they do bring in an OES, a new OC, that it pairs up with an offensive style that fits him better, but that also he finds some sort of mental, psychological way to overcome throwing turnovers at the worst possible time. And that he can shake whatever bug happens to him when he gets in the playoffs. But the pieces for this team are still there. And that's kind of the last piece I'm going to ask you, Zach. Who, who would we likely lose to free agency this year, how much of a run it back situation do the Titans have? I, th I think there's a good chance that you're probably going to see 80% of this roster, the starting roster that you saw in the playoffs back. Uh, obviously, but Dupree's not going anywhere. I think they get a deal done with Harold Landry. Simmons and A.J. Brown, their deals don't have to be done this offseason, but if they wanted to, they're in a position where they could do it and kick money down the road. They also have the fifth-year option for Jeffrey Simmons. But I think they get the Harold Landry extension done. Bud Dupree is going to be healthier than what he was, and he's going to be more yeah. available in more games. Julio Jones, the same. Julio Jones actually ended the season healthy, and he should be more involved in more games. And you get Caleb Farley coming back. You know, I think that if you're looking for people that they that could be gone, obviously Rashawn Evans is probably gone. Jayon Brown's probably gone. They may get brought back because their markets are probably not going to be as good as what everybody thinks they are. Because you got to remember, everybody thought, oh, well, Jayon Brown, he's going to get paid a buttload off on the free agent market. <laughs> no, he's probably not. And Rashawn Evans is probably not. Um, now, that doesn't mean that, you know, someone like the Jets couldn't possibly, you know, do something stupid. Sure, they could. Um, you know, I don't think those two guys are back. 
I think that, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, they could cut their loss with Jackrabbit. I think the offensive line is the biggest, is the biggest change that you're going to see. It has the most, that position on the offensive line, that room has the most chance for change. Yeah. To look totally different. And then you're in another year of where we're having to wait till week eight or week 10 for this offensive line to finally gel together. So there's something to look forward to more offensive <laughs> line problems. It's supposed to be positive. Motherfucker. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Here, here's some positive. Caleb Farley, Bud Dupree back on the defense, yeah. I think is an upgrade over Jack rabbit. If he Jack rabbit was to be gone. I think that you saw good things from Elijah Molden. I think Harold Landry will be back. And if you have Rashad Weaver come back, if his stuff gets cleared up, your defense has a real chance to be better than what it was, or at least maintain its level of awesomeness, which allows you you to focus on the offense. And John Robinson turned this defense around in one offseason. So for those of you who think it's over, it's not over. This isn't a pathetic team. It's not a, a, a team that is not going to be in the conversation. John Robinson has a chance to do the same thing he did on the defense with this offense. Completely the same thing. And you got to remember, Taylor One will be another year removed from his ACL injury, which he even has said, have been very blunt about how it affected his start and how it affected his whole season. Him and Julio will both be removed a year removed from that. That's great. You're going into a good time for this, for John Robinson. It's, it's very much like Plato. John Robinson can make something out of all these, this Plato that he's got. Now, whether that Plato dries out and crumbles by the time the playoffs rolls around is entirely different, but he has a chance. If anybody is a master Plato, uh, I don't know, artiste. 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 It's so much better than Boulder. A Plato artiste then then he is going to be able to do it. I, I have tr- faith. You have the best head, one of the best head coaches who probably will still win coach of the year because it's a regular season award, and I think voting's already closed. You have John Robinson. You have Amy Adams truck. You have the three most important pieces to for your chances of a turnaround on offense already in place. Yeah. And this team, the, the amount of people who want to burn it all down on this fan base, baffling. Let me say something. Zero percent chance that they are in going to ever burn it down with those three in place. Because John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are always going to have a team that is going to be consisting that they're, they're building. The team that you see being built, the plan in place, since John Robinson and Mike Vrabel have taken over, is coming to fruition. You got a nine and seven, you got 10 and six, you got uh, 12 and uh, five now. They've increased wins almost every year. What more do you? I know everybody wants Super Bowl, so I'm not going to say what more do you want because everybody wants Super Bowl. But they're not going to burn it down and start over and become a five win team just because you want them to. Don't expect that. I will say that you, you don't have to expect a Super Bowl from this team, and I wouldn't blame you because I'm not going to expect a Super Bowl from this team in its current form right now. But I'm at least happy that it's at least a 10-win team. I'm at least happy it's an 11-win team or a 12-win team, because realistically, that's what they are. And that's what they'll always be. They're contenders until John Robinson is gone and Mike Frabel is gone. I don't want to hear anything else other than that. And you and I have said this. We've had this discussion multiple times. Every time it comes up about Tannehill, this and that, there's no worse situation for a team to be in than to have to search for a new quarterback and hope the second part of this is the hope that that quarterback works everything we just described with running it back with the defense with the tools that the offense has to the the, this front office and the coach you want to burn that roster to the ground to chase a chance with a new quarterback you're talking about russell wilson and aaron Rodgers and bringing in these people you're assuming that that piece is just going to fit and then well, it's burning just it down work. would require you to start over and hit on a draft pick. Yeah. And then what if that draft pick doesn't work out? Yeah. So what now if, what if Todd Downing's the one developing that draft pick? Like, give, give me a fucking me, break. Why would I want yeah. you? I don't want a young quarterback of Todd Downing. Listen, give me Russian roulette. 
give me a 12 win season with Russian roulette in the, in the postseason every time over a middling QB that may not work may, you know, I, I mean, talk about the Chicago bears right now. You think they wouldn't trade the situation we're in for what they've got. Having a quarterback that is a proven commodity is so rare. Everyone wants a Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and uh, and my brain stopped, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but I also only named four names. I mean, think of all the quarterbacks that have died and are just trodden all over for those four to be at the you know Listen, playing at the pinnacle every of one game. of those guys that you just named you have someone like um jalen hurts daniel jones yes. uh trevor lawrence who wasn't that great mac jones who shit himself in the playoffs um davis mills i mean you have all these other quarterbacks that you know mitch trubisky everybody forgets about him right that this and we'll get into quarterbacks on another episode about right. maybe drafted but let me say this everybody thought that quarterback class that had deshaun watson and patrick mahomes sucked they were they looked pretty good, don't they? Yeah. Just saying nobody was really they they were all saying this was the worst quarterback class in history. And really it was the Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke draft class that really sucked. But you know, that one also had uh was that Lamar Jackson or was Lamar Jackson different? It doesn't matter. There's always years where everybody says this is the worst draft class, or this is the best draft class for quarterbacks, which was last year. The the one that we just had was the best draft class. Go watch the tape, and the Titans should, if they see a guy that they want to get, they should go up and pull what the Kansas City Chiefs did and go up and trade for that guy. That guy could be Malik Willis who's going to the Senior Bowl. You might as well just watch the Senior Bowl and pay attention to the Senior Bowl because half your draft class is coming from that, more than half. (laughs) I mean, is it safe to say, as we wrap this podcast up, that it's not as bad as Titans fans think it is. It's not I mean, as bad, but if, if this your expectation, sucks, yeah, it sucks. And I'm not going to get mad at anybody for being angry or yes. telling anybody how to feel. You go feel however you want to feel. I'm taking a mental health break from a couple of group chats. I'm, I'm not really going to be involved <clears> because at this point, nobody could be, nobody could be reasoned with. Right. I mean, nobody can be talked to in a normal manner it's either you're a dumb idiot or I'm a dumb idiot or this or that or, you know, all this shit. It's not as bad. Look, I'm not going to say that the things that they can do in this offseason can't fix Tennessee Titans. I'm not going to bet. Well, I may bet some future money on it, but, you know, in, in all reality, I'm not going to bet my life that Ryan Tannehill can get this team to Super Bowl. But he can't. He is fully capable of doing it. He is a quarterback that we have seen numerous times win a Super Bowl. It's just going to be tough, and everything has to be this offseason super important for that. If you want Derrick Henry to win a Super Bowl, this offseason is the most important offseason of your life. If that is your rooting interest is Derrick Henry getting a Super Bowl, this is the offseason because the next offseason is either going to be – a bridge quarterback or the rookie that they drafted in 2022. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is going to be pretty honest coming into this podcast today. I, I really didn't know how, what direction I wanted this to go simply because I was one of those in the group chat as recently as this morning, that was pretty, pretty damn downtrodden on what you said the Titans gone from up- depressed to depressed and furious. That yeah. is what that, that was what you said. And I've gone from depressed and furious to pissed but hopeful. Because the more we've talked through it and even in this podcast as we discussed the OC situation, I realized that that is probably the most realistic change you could see and I think this is a realistic group of people that would in the offseason understand if they have to make that change and that's the change they need to make, they will make that change. Because I still stand by exactly what you hit on a few minutes ago, which was John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, and the owner of this team, Andy Armstrong, know what they want and, and, and know the goal that they have for this team. And while we haven't gotten to the Super Bowl yet, the win progression that you've seen and the talent progression that you've seen on this team are no lie. They're right there in front of you. It's this team is set up in the best case scenario it's been since this team moved to Nashville. 
hands down. So be hopeful, be optimistic, but you can still be pissed because trust me, I'm not going to turn off this mic today and just be like, perfectly fine with the fact that they walked out in the divisional round. I'm still pretty pissed about that, but I do believe that this team still has an open window to go to and win a Super Bowl. And I do believe that that can still actually happen under Tannehill, provided he finds some sort of mental block to get past the turnover stuff and perform in the playoffs. Yeah. So there Listen, it is. We, we, we have said we are a straight shooting podcast. We always have been. And I think we both agree that Ryan Tannehill has the ability to win you a Super Bowl, but you got to see it to believe it. Yeah. You just got to. You, you, you can't. You, it's just like Marcus. He had all the talent in the world, but he could never put it together after that 2016 Christmas Eve disaster. He could never put it all together on a consistent basis. And now we've seen three years of Ryan Tannehill in the postseason not putting it together. So you're, you should not expect that he can put it together in year four. I'm sorry. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Justin Herbert. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not, he's not even Matt Stafford at this point. And unless this offense evolves and evolves while playing to his strengths, I think a Super Bowl is a little bit out of reach right now. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Crazy things happen, right? It's not, it's not impossible. It's improbable. And that's what we've always preached. There's a distinction between impossible and improbable. It is highly improbable that this, the Titans make it to a Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. It's possible, just highly, highly improbable. Well, Zach and I will be here with you in the offseason. Obviously, you know, as we get through the Super Bowl and out of the Super Bowl, we'll have plenty of draft and then eventually free agency to discuss. So, we got you. Plenty of plenty of offseason entertainment to come. Um, but it's football and other efforts, and we appreciate it as always. We would like for you to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends that you listen to us, and uh, share it around. And uh, if, if you do like it, again, please leave us a review. We do like to read those. So um, we got you. Be pissed off, but we got good things coming. So um, for Zach and myself, as always, have yourself a nice day. You've just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.